Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Sex Positive Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Coletti. Today, I'm going to be doing another poetry reading from my book, which is coming out in 2022. I've been doing, I want to say this is my third poetry reading, perhaps my fourth. I've really been enjoying reading from my manuscript and just speaking from the heart for y'all. And it is wrapping up for Domestic Violence Awareness Month, although I feel like every month we should be raising awareness against domestic and sexual violence, but that's just me personally. Um, So my books that I've written, this is my fourth book, talk a lot about my own healing journey and recovery from narcissistic abuse, sexual abuse, and domestic violence trauma. I happily identify as a domestic violence survivor. I don't have any shame around that. Um, It's something that I've worked through. And I know there's so much stigma and stereotyping that are completely false and not true, which I'm hoping to break using my own story and just kind of learning to come to terms with what happened, forgive myself and kind of let go of the grip that it has on my past. I'm currently in EMDR for this, and I recognize that so much of my writing is about speaking my truth and learning to use my voice to help people on their own journey. So we will be wrapping up with the last few pages of my fourth book, and I'm really excited to read this to y'all and hear your feedback. So let's get right into it. So I'm actually going to be reading in the order of last page up and we'll cut it at 30 minutes. So the last page of my book says, my trauma is my sovereignty. Tell your story. So important. That's a whole mood. Corrosive. I thought you were the man of my dreams. Turns out you were just a bad nightmare. Anchored. I realized I wasn't stuck on you because I missed you. It was simply an excuse to not let anybody in because as long as I was longing for you, I wouldn't allow anyone to love me. I wrote this a couple days ago. I was listening to a podcast, the Mark Groves podcast, and he was talking about this, how sometimes it's really not the person that we love or that we miss, but it's really just the idea of them. It's our identity that we created during that time. And sometimes when we release them or fully let go, we feel like we're losing love and their memory, at least for me, has served as a barrier, a protective mechanism that I use to defend myself. Because as long as I'm not emotionally available or as long as I'm still longing for or missing xyz i really can't fully be in the present when we are living in the past we deny ourselves from fully enjoying the present moment so that was just a little bit about my own experience with that homecoming i used to believe you were the best thing that's yet to happen to me now i know i am the best thing to ever happen to myself let that sink in Sometimes I turn the music up so loud just so I can't hear my own thoughts. Chaser, it seems like the moment I gave you my heart was the same moment you wanted yours back. I was the runner, you were the chaser. 
Relentless. If I know anything about the human heart, it's that it has the ability to break and break and break some more into a trillion little pieces. But guess what? It also has the ability to heal. Pain can be relentless and luckily so can our hearts. The greatest superpower. It's kind of an empowering poem. I like that one. Earth shattering. I was fine from the initial hit, my body in shock. Hours later, I'm starting to come down from the adrenaline and now all I can think. I wish I had another day with you. I wish I was more careful with your heart. I wish I could be enough. I wish you would love me again. I keep thinking I'm dreaming. That poem I wrote uh, when my boyfriend and I broke up. <laughs> and I know it's it's kind of a depressing poem. I felt so heartbroken. And I think it was kind of, at first I was totally fine. And then a few hours later, I kind of came to the realization that wow, I'm actually being broken up with because up until that point, I've never been broken up with before. And I have a lot of sympathy now. I I really couldn't empathize with people that had been broken up with before I was broken up with myself. And I kind of think that's how compassion works. We can only hold so much space for someone as we understand it ourselves. Ground zero. And I wish that love was enough because then we would last a lifetime. Now I'm back to square one, so where do I go from here? Also, about my breakup, I feel like so often in relationships, we kind of merge with our partner. And so often if healthy boundaries aren't implemented, we can lose our sense of self and forget who we are so that if it doesn't quote-unquote work out or we split or separate we're left kind of in this state of what the fuck am I supposed to do from now and a little bit about my own story my boyfriend and I have been dating for a month and several months into our relationship he told me he was going to be moving to Florida next year so while we were dating I kind of had this idea, this image in my head of what life would look like in a year if I moved to Florida with him. I was even starting to apply to doctoral programs in Florida. And then we broke up and I'm kind of just like, well, I've been building my entire future around this idea I'm supposed to be with this person. And now that we're not together anymore, I don't know where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do. And I still feel that way sometimes. I'm kind of like, well, if in several months we don't, we decide to go our separate ways, what am I supposed to do? So I think sometimes it's important to have a backup plan. (laughs) And I'm realizing that either way I'll be okay, either way I'll figure it out because in the past, we're scared things aren't going to work out, but up until this point, everything kind of sorts itself out, I feel like. So it's important to not build your whole sense of self, your whole identity around things going X, Y, and Z, because my friends, as I'm sure you know, life never really goes as planned. So, but it's okay. We're, we're resilient beings. I think we're built for that. Rupture. I never loved you more because of what you did. I never loved you less for what you could not give. 
My love didn't wax and wane because real love doesn't waver. Interesting. Cold sweat. I woke up in a cold sweat at five in the morning, hollow, no good night or good morning texts, nothing to keep me awake but me and my thoughts, empty. So this poem kind of encompasses how I feel as someone that has insecure attachment and even just people in general these days, we have so much stimulation, so much distraction that it's easy to kind of forget who we are. And I don't know the correct word I'm looking for, but it's easy to distract ourselves from pain and deny uncomfortable emotions or deflect even discomfort and pain because anytime we feel something less than ideal, we could just scroll on Instagram and I'm so guilty about this. I was scrolling on Instagram for seemingly hours yesterday because my boyfriend is sick and I was kind of just like, what am I supposed to do with myself? I felt so bored. I felt like I said in this poem hollow and I'm like, yikes, I'm kind of forced to be in stillness and alone and spend time with myself. And truly, if we have any sort of self-love or self-esteem gaps, if we aren't really our number one biggest fan, it could be really hella hard to just sit with ourselves and just be. So that poem kind of reflects my experience with that. This poem is called Trigger Warning, so trigger warning. The sad truth about rapists that we don't want to face is that it could be your brother, your cousin, your son, your neighbor, your coworker, your best friend. It could even be you. We want to believe we don't have it in us. We want to admit, we don't want to admit the nice guy could be capable of fucking up so badly. So we refuse to believe the survivors when they have the wherewithal to come forward. I believe you. I know that poem is very binary, kind of. I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying all rapists are men because that's completely not true. However, statistically speaking, most sexual violence is perpetrated against women. However, I know there are outliers and a lot of penis owners experience sexual violence. So I don't want to invalidate that. However, I wrote this poem because it's just completely true. Like you can't argue with me on that, (laughs) that a rapist could be anyone. It could even be you. And a lot of times I find that, especially with mothers defending their sons, doing something so horrific. Oh, my son would never do that. He's a nice guy. Well, guess what? Nice people do shitty things. And it's just a hard truth to face. So we'd rather stay in denial, but good people are capable of doing bad things. I'd like to think I am a decent human being and I've done a lot of fucked up things that I'm not proud of. But don't deny someone's truth just because it makes you uncomfortable. I believe you. I see your strength and your courage, your bravery. And I think when we invalidate and deny people's trauma, 
it's awfully complicated. It's awfully damaging. And that's all I have to say about that. A3. Loneliness is texting everyone in your phone, yet you've never felt more alone than you do right now. Silence is ruthless. Also a breakup poem. (laughs) I personally feel, honestly, and this is about to get raw and vulnerable, that I don't have many people in my life I can count on. Um, I don't have really many good friends. I maybe have one or two friends. People I consider friends. I consider a lot of people acquaintances that I'm friendly with, that I'll hang out with to pass time, or um, people I catch up with. But... I don't have many good friends, people that I can really count on, people that I would go to if there was ever something at three in the morning, I would have my boyfriend. And that's sometimes scary for me because I think if Nick and I were to ever break up again, um, you know, he's my best friend and I don't really have anyone else that I, that knows me, you know, that really fully deeply knows me. And I feel that sense of unconditional, semi-unconditional love with. I don't think really, um, I don't know if I believe in unconditional love anymore because I talk a lot about this. I used to think that unconditional love when I was being abused was just putting up with it. And I don't think we should ever put up with anything or bad treatment or someone treating us like shit for the sake of unconditionally loving them. Emotional purge. I don't pray that we end up together. I don't pray I get what I think I need. Instead, I pray for the best outcome, whether that's with me or you. I pray that doors open for you, and I pray for the highest good for us both, whatever that may look like. I pray for your healing and mine because I love you, so I let you go. I pray one day that you light up like I do when I think of you. I wrote that for Nick after we broke up. And a lot of this speaks to detachment. Buddhism says that the cause of suffering is attachment. And I could not agree more. I think when we're healthy enough or even mature enough to recognize that our need or clinging or desperation for a person to validate us, to satiate us, to fulfill all our needs is really not doing us any favors. So I prayed that whatever happens is for the highest good of each of us. And once I surrendered that, a big lesson in my life has been surrender. Uh, We actually ended up coming back together, which I think is interesting and kind of a pattern in my life that once I kind of stop caring about what I want or what I think I need, it works out ultimately the way that the universe plans. So yeah, I think I will end it there um one last poem here slow burn sky burn i thought i wanted a love that felt like lightning until i realized when lightning strikes it has the potential to burn your whole fucking house down (laughs) that poem is super quirky and intriguing to me because something i say is don't chase the spark chase the slow burn And it makes such a difference because when we chase, particularly with narcissists, right? With even people that are sociopaths, 
they're so fucking charming. They're so charismatic. There's this undeniable connection and chemistry and the spark. And But lust and passion aren't love. They could be a part of love, but love is coming home. Love is a sense of safety and security. And sometimes that intermittent reinforcement, that toxic dynamic is so addictive because it's high and low. It's high and low. And sometimes we have to stop going for what we have gone for and go for something completely different. I always suggest that if you are dating as a DV survivor or someone that has experienced abuse and trauma, please don't go for the person that you normally go for because oftentimes if we have that unhealthy uh, dynamic, that insecure attachment within us, we will continue to pursue people that validate the way we feel about ourselves inside. So when I met Nick, actually, I didn't like him whatsoever like that. I was not interested. Um, He was not what I'd normally be attracted to, not the type of person I normally go for. And (laughs) eventually when I opened my mind to it, it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before because it was like that slow burn. And eventually I did love him. And I think that's so precious and so interesting that if we forget what we think we wanted, if we throw out our list of they have to be this tall or look like this, then we really open ourselves up to a ton of possibilities that we'd never imagined. All right. I'm going to read a couple more poems. I thought I was done, but I'm not. (laughs) Rose Thorns. You can't become enamored with a rose and then slander that rose when you get pricked by her thorns. This poem just speaks to being a powerful woman or a powerful person that, well, I'll say this. So my boyfriend and I entered our relationship and there came a point, this was right before we broke up, where he told me I had to change for him to be happy. I had to fix these things about myself for him to stay in the relationship with me. And now kind of looking back, um, now that I'm more in my self-worth and my deservingness, part of me kind of was like, why didn't I just say, all right, fuck you, goodbye. Like I'm not changing for anyone, but I think that I was kind of really in my low self-worth and I thought, I need to be fixed. I need to be changed or else no one could ever love me. And that's kind of why I was so eager to be like, I'll do anything, baby. Like, just tell me what you want and I'll be that person for you. First of all, vomit, like yuck. That's so cringe. Never do that. People never change for someone to love you. Okay. Um, You are worth so much more than that. But I had to eventually realize like part of me was grappling with that because I'm like, well, what if I'm the toxic one? What if I really am the one that needs to change? And I recognize now you cannot be in a toxic relationship where it's just one person's fault. Like it's never your fault. You're never to blame. You should never feel guilty or shameful about your situation. However, if we are in an unhealthy, dysfunctional relationship, we have to take accountability that a hundred percent, that's just a mirror to the dysfunction in ourselves. So I recognize, no, I was not the only toxic person in this relationship. He also had things and his shit he was projecting on me, he had to work on. Why does someone need to change in order for you to be happy? 
that is the question I pose for you today. If you are with someone and there's a laundry list of things you don't like about them or things that you want to fix or save them or change about them, you have two options. You can either change yourself or you can leave that relationship because we can never rely on someone to meet our needs in order to make us happy. That's really not how that works. That is superficial. It's artificial. And it's a sense of false gratification that will leave us feeling empty and we will never be happy in a relationship that way. All right, let's move along. (laughs) Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. This poem is called Merciless. You spend the best years of your life chasing the weekends, living paycheck to paycheck, surrounded by mediocre people living a mundane existence, just waiting for something good to finally happen. You spend what little you have on attempting to fix your appearance because you learned in school that being pretty gets you friends. Being perfect gets you attention. Yet you discover that no matter how much weight you lose or how close you get to fitting the societal mold, you're still not happy. So you become convinced something must be deeply, seriously wrong with you. Dreaming of a different life as you watch the one you have mercilessly pass you by. This is powerful shit. This poem talks about waiting on, again, outside validation to fill that inner void and make us happy. Because truthfully, when we rely on outside sources to fill the internal lack we have going on, it's a perceived lack. It's not real, by the way. You are completely whole as you are, just because you are. But when we have that perceived lack and what we think we need to make us happy, we will let our lives pass us by because we will never be happy. Once I lost the weight, once I got the car, once I got the degree, right? I'm doing all these things society tells me I need to be happy, yet I feel completely just ashamed and like a failure and rejected in my life personally. Um, That's what I wrote this poem about. And it's really sad. And as I'm doing manifestation work and working with the law of attraction, I'm taking these things that I I want, that I think I want, like giving a TED talk, being a New York Times bestselling author, getting the dream job. And we really have to dig and see what's below that. Okay. For me, I've recognized it's about feeling safe. It's about feeling supported. It's about feeling heard and seen. And it's about feeling secure. And I have to ask myself, how can I give myself those things? How can I give myself feeling safe? How can I make myself feel supported? How can I make myself feel seen and heard and like I'm leaving a legacy on the world rather than waiting for something to quote unquote happen? to give me those things. And I think that's where the real work is. And I will also say um, that the other day, talking about patterns and blocks, uh, my partner was over and we were talking and I just felt so sad because I felt like for whatever reason, it was probably a projection that he doesn't like me anymore, that I'm not making him happy and he could be a lot happier with someone else. And I think that as survivors of trauma and abuse, we feel that way, right? We feel like we're not good enough. So we sabotage our relationships or 
it's so complex, but I heard myself say out loud that, cause he said, why do you feel that way? And I said, I can never make somebody truly happy. Like no one could ever be with me and be happy. And that really stuck with me. That struck me because how sad is that? Like how depressing is it to live my life feeling like I don't deserve happiness and I'm not capable of anyone being in love with me or making anyone happy. So I asked myself, Lauren, where does that belief come from? And I thought back to my abusive relationship from 2015, 2017 area, time period. And I'm getting emotional. I just can recall thinking, I have literally done every single thing in my power that I can to make this person happy and they still aren't happy. They're still abusing me. They're still telling me what's wrong with me. They're still telling me where I don't measure up. And I can just remember feeling so completely crushed and devastated at that thought that my best is still not good enough. And years later, it's still impacting me. Do you feel that way? That something somebody said years ago from childhood, high school, college, whatever, that you felt you were insufficient, inadequate, you were defective because you couldn't save someone or make them stop abusing you or whatever. You couldn't get someone to propose or someone that you were deeply in love with. You thought you were so happy they break up with you and your heart's completely shattered. We take those and we carry those wounds with us into our adult lives years later and we let them have so much power over us. And something I'm working on is just releasing that, really unpacking that and just asking yourself, is that completely true? Like this person I was dating that was for sure a psychopath and severely mentally ill didn't have the capacity to be in a loving, healthy relationship. And you know what? That is okay. That's fine. We're not always what people want. We can't be everything to everyone. Not everyone is going to have the ability to give us what we need. And that's their prerogative. But guess what? It has nothing to do with our value. It says nothing about our worth as a human being. And I will end that there. Drop the mic. (laughs) So I hope you enjoyed this little rant, this little poetry reading. I'm so excited to release this new book. And I also have a book after that that I'm planning on. So stay tuned for that. If you'd like to check out my other books, and if you enjoyed this, I'll do readings from those books, Trauma, Tears, and Triumph, and Chasing Boys. Let me know. I'd be more than happy to share those readings with you. And you can check it out on Barnes & Noble, Amazon, eBay, wherever books are sold. Thank you so much for spending time with me. If you'd like to connect on social, I have two social media accounts. I have my personal page, Lauren M. Coletti, and I also have my podcast page, which is more like a Finsta, where I just share like quotes I like and uh, talk about when podcasts are being released. So you can check me out on there. I am looking forward to hearing from y'all. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. You stay safe. We're having a nor'easter in New York and just enjoy the rest of your October and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening.